Good morning. It is Wednesday, February 23rd, and this is the Commuter Devotional. My name is Chuck, and I'm so glad that you have decided to join us today as we seek to engage our God in Scripture and prayer before the busyness of our day begins. We've been moving through the book of Hebrews really, really slow. I mean, it's taken us all year to get to chapter 8, and today, in one episode, we're going to do all of chapter 8. So suddenly, we're going to take a pretty big leap forward in the book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews is going to group together a a big argument here in this one chapter, and so we're going to try to look at it all in one episode. I'm not used to doing these long passages. It's been a while since we've done something like this, so let's see if we can keep this podcast episode within the desired 7 to 10 minutes time range. We'll see what we can do. With that being said, let me read for us our passage, I'll pray, and then we'll dive right into it. This is Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Now. The point in what we are saying is this, we have such a great high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach, each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I have been merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we look at the idea of covenants in your holy scriptures, Lord, help us to be mindful of the pattern that they give to us throughout the entire canon. Help us to understand what the author of Hebrews is saying here about Jesus being the one who inaugurates a new covenant. And God, help us to be people who are actively part of the new covenant. Understand what it means to worship our God under these new rules. Father, help us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, my friends, chapter 8 really goes back to the conversation about covenants. And I think this is something that we have talked about so many times, or at least referenced so many times on the Commuter Devotional, but I cannot recall, maybe we've done it, I cannot recall ever doing like a really high-level fast track through the Bible of all the covenants. A lot of people, including myself, understand the Bible to be put together and organized under covenants. You cannot understand the Bible and where we are in redemptive history without understanding the covenants throughout all of Scripture. So let's go through them quickly. 
The first official covenant made in Scripture is the one between God and Noah. And in this official covenant, God promises that he will never destroy the world again through flood. We're all familiar with the Noah story and the story of the rainbow, but that's the first official covenant in Scripture. I say official because there's probably another covenant. A lot of people hold to this idea that Adam and God had a covenant back in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And I actually hold to this, but it's a little difficult to explain. And so just to save time, we can, uh, we're going to skip past that one because it's not actually talked about as a covenant. The next major covenant in Scripture takes place in, also in Genesis, Genesis 15, when God sets up the, the covenant with Abraham. Now, this is the covenant that Jews understand as their covenant. This is the one where God promises he will make a people for himself. He will protect them. He will give them a land. He will be their God and they will be his people. His people will be a light to the nations. This is the Abrahamic covenant. And from here, the rest of the book of Genesis falls under the Abrahamic covenant. Well, really the rest of the Old Testament, but you'll see why it changes in the book of Exodus. After this covenant, Abraham starts to make his way to the promised land and his descendants, all the way down to Joseph, end up in the nation of Egypt. You know the story, Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and he becomes a ruler within the Egyptians, and then his descendants become slaves in Egypt. And much, much later, Moses comes along and leads the people out. God establishes another covenant with Moses, this time giving Moses the law, and this is called the Mosaic Covenant. This is the covenant that's being referenced here in the book of Hebrews a lot. This is the covenant that says, if you're going to be my people, you must follow these rules, this law. It's the covenant of the law. Later on in 2 Samuel, God sets up another covenant with David. This is called the Davidic covenant. This is the one that says, from your line, David, there will be a king. There will be a better king from your line, David. But then our passage today, here in Hebrews chapter 8, talks about the new covenant, and they quote right from it in Jeremiah 31. In Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah is prophesying about a new covenant that will come. And as we see in our passage today, it comes through Jesus Christ. Now, chapters 1 through 7 have been hard to get through. They've been slow. We've had to pull out a lot of background and historical context. We've had to look at different parts of the Old Testament. But not in our passage today. Right at the very beginning, the author of Hebrews says, Now, The point in what we are saying is this, we have such a great high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that has been set up by God and not man. The author of Hebrews is inviting us to look back on the Old Testament and the Levitical priesthood and the Mosaic law and see that it's a reality that the great high priest who is Jesus is here and he is currently sitting at the right hand of majesty in heaven fulfilling his duties as our priest. He makes the point that Christ inaugurates a ministry, a covenant that is better, that's described that way because it has better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant. And then he goes on to quote for several verses from Jeremiah 31. Finishing chapter 8 in verse 13, he says, In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. My friends, as we go today, and I know this episode had a lot of ups and downs just looking at different parts of scripture and understanding the covenants, we must understand that we live under a new covenant. 
were not under the Abrahamic covenant anymore, nor the Mosaic covenant. We live under the covenant that was talked about all the way back in Jeremiah 31, the one that Christ inaugurates, the one that says, Brothers do not have to tell each other to know the Lord, for they will all know me. God is accessible to us. Union with God is once again restored because of the spilled blood of Jesus. We don't need the law anymore that was talked about in the Mosaic Covenant. Jesus doesn't abolish it, of course. He fulfills it. But in an even better way, he has written it on our minds and written it on our hearts, which is a key distinction about what this new covenant is about. God doesn't care so much about our rituals and our sacrifices and our empty worship. He cares about the change that has occurred in our hearts. My friends, let's consider these things today. Let's take time to read through Jeremiah 31 on our own time to see how this new covenant given by Jesus is so key to understanding what our lives should look like now as New Testament believers. Let me close us in prayer. Our God in heaven, as we go today, Lord, help us to further just become people who understand your scriptures, to see how your themes from the Old Testament pull all the way forward to the new, that we can understand what the author of Hebrews is talking about because he's referencing parts of scripture that we find familiar and not unfamiliar. Lord, I'm confronted with how well I actually know your word. Lord, will you please help us to grow in hunger for your word, to put it higher and higher on our priority list of things to do each day to study your word, to consider it in our lives. Father, as we go today, help us to understand what it means to be New Testament, New Covenant believers. Our lives should look different because of what Christ has done. Lord, your law has been written on our hearts. There has to be a change there. Oh, that our lives would reflect it. Lord, as we go today, will you be near to us and protect us and defend us? We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Go in peace. I will see you tomorrow.